Hello and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. Actually, episode 99, which is, I mean, mind-blowing for a perspective of what we started this podcast. And if you'd have said that we'd get to 99, I'd be like, mm, don't know about that. But also, like, crazy how long it's took us to get here, considering that we've been sitting in the 90s for about two months, three months or something. But such is life just now. In the last couple of months. Um, Aye, mate. I'm all right with it. I mean, it's hard, you know, for everybody. And I think the last thing I want to be doing is running about chasing folk, trying to get them to appear on a podcast when, you know what I mean, there's other things happening, you know what I mean? I think it's, as the turn of the years came, I think we're all feeling it now, you know what I mean? I think there's, yeah, a, real, there's a real fatigue setting in. Um, and obviously the, the extremely quiet stuff the year we've had has, has a to all just you know chill out a wee bit. There's no been anything that we needed to worry about or anything causing major existential crises anywhere. You know what I mean? Like so, I at least with that. I absolutely, mate. I think like 2021, eh, it was almost like, and I'm dealing with this quite a lot with clients, and I dealt with it myself as well, man. Like you're talking about that fatigue. Mm-hmm. I think that that fatigue's actually like set in because people had thought that the finishing line was the 31st of January. Who? Yeah, 31st of December 2020 and it was almost like new new me, <laughs> new year new me but it was like new year new world and it, it didn't Aye. quite transpire like that I think I woke up on the 3rd was that the Monday and just felt really fucking deflated mate like really deflated because you've got all that new year energy or like right, what what's my goals for the year what, and, and it all just had to just go no, like you can't even go in and start putting your mind into that sort of growth mentality or like change because really and truly what can we do other than go to your work and come back and stay in your house. So I felt yeah. I felt that myself and went through a couple of wee days of just really having to sort of manage myself. But then as I said, like seeing sessions with clients, mate, everybody's just going through this whole sort of weird it's new year. Twenty twenty one was supposed to be it. this pandemic still no went anywhere but also like you were saying off mic there mate like Boris said in his first I think he slipped I don't think he meant it because Nicola didn't say anything about it but now we're looking at March and then it'll be a full year that we've been in some kind of lockdown restrictions which I think if you had told us that back in March last year although I was talking to somebody about this although at the time if they had went look guys this could last anywhere up to like a year 18 months everybody would have been like holy fuck but I think we would have go to outer systems back then so we've been kind of kicking it down the road and I think Aye. what we've found is just this wall a reality just like actually the finishing line is probably Easter I think that's what yeah. they said like after Easter so I think that's just getting to everybody mate do you know what I mean uh-huh. and myself included do you know what I mean I've had to be pretty conscious I mean I know obviously I've seen you posting on um, Instagram when you were I think you were working some weights in the room and talking about how you were still Try to make sure that you know the routine is is maintained. Like I know, obviously, routine's a big thing for you. Like for me, I've been trying to concentrate, as I was saying online uh, on the Rebel City feed, like just about try to find positives. You know what I mean? Like so, you know, the fact that the vaccine's rolling's one that I'm just trying to you know keep there as as something to you know keep us afloat. Uh-huh. Uh, I've actually tried to like really think about you know the extra time with the family. So Stacey's now working from home. Um, Alex is now. You know, obviously working from home in the sort of school sense. Um, you know, she's turned sixteen this year. Having that wee extra time, you know, as a as a kind of like 
close quarters family unit has been mm. something, you know, sitting down like Spanish homework and just stupid stuff like that is something that I'm really trying to be like, do you know what? This is a positive getting like bonus time where it is she's now starting to go into the world sort of thing. Absolutely, you know? mate. Uh, Absolutely. Especially at the age of Alex is it, mate, you're not going to get an opportunity like this to spend this kind of quality time. I think exactly. that a lot, a lot of people's problems were, and this goes back to what I was saying there when they said in March, three weeks, is that people just didn't take it. Know that they didn't take it seriously. We've also got that problem, but they didn't take it as like seriously. So all these grown pains that we're starting to see that people are facing up to, like Mr. Diamond, do you know what I mean? Like fucking <laughs> homeschooling, it got abandoned because it was like, look, what are we, March, April, Get a month of this summer holidays. By the time we get to the other side of the summer holidays, this is going to be a distant memory and we'll go back to school and things will go back to normal, which is completely understandable considering the information that we were getting given. Yeah. But now, like, I people are just like, fuck me, you kidding me on? I'm going to need to start this homeschooling again. This goes back to what I was saying. All these grown pains and all these things could have just been over and done with quickly. It's almost like putting off any sort of difficult message even if it's like a family member or like a mate say for instance like a mate's done something to upset you you've got two choices you can either engage with it then and there and get get the monkey off your back or you can kick it down the fucking road and every time you yeah. kick it down the road it just gets bigger and bigger to you do you know what I mean so I feel really bad for everybody we're all in this together I get that but I feel kind of bad for people with kids with like with it I mean you I actually get a lot of respect and a lot, a lot, of, a lot of admiration for you, particularly in new Stacey's in the same box. I know that Stacey was retail, but there seems to be like furloughs, one thing that you need to deal with, 20% off your salaries, another thing that, that comes with that. Spending all your time indoors, another thing. If you're having to do that with a significant other, there's something else. But then when you add into it, your kid's education, yeah, it's a powder keg, mate, an absolute powder keg of a situation. So I feel for people, man. I, especially, I mean, people with multiple sort of young kids, like, I mean, I, I, I think I'm extremely fortunate that Alex is 16 and has her head screwed on roughly the right way anyway, that she's doing a lot of this herself, but it's been good to get involved with other stuff, but I, anybody with like extremely young children, like primary school children or whatever, like how the fuck they're doing it, man, give them all medals, you know what I mean? Aye, like, for sure, mate. See off the back of what you were talking about with my Instagram post, I actually did a couple um, and I took I took a bit of a back seat after I did a couple. I was getting quite a good response. I mean, really, like I was doing that shameless thing. Like I'm trying to get clients. Like, of course. I mean, ultimately, my whole thing is I want to help people. So the way I sort of I'm not a big fan of people that are out there like touting businesses or stuff on social media. I get it. It's free advertising, really, if you've got a big following. But I'm, I want to keep it sort of personal. I don't. But at the same time. The way I sort of justify it to myself is, is that I ultimately want to try and fucking help some people here. So if yeah. I put a message out there that catches an attention, like, well, look, I'm still working out as I normally do. I'm trying to keep my, re- my routine as good as possible for me to feel good during this sort of time. And it sort of attracts a bit of interaction and you might get a client or something out there. But yeah. on, so that was Monday and then on the web, I think that was a Tuesday. And then on the Thursday, I posted again about meditation. And then on the Saturday, I, I do a thing I've not actually spoke about like in the podcast, but I'm doing a thing with some guys at Stanford University, which is like, well, it's like Wednesday, it's like Wednesday morning for me, but Tuesday night for them. Well, they're like right. peers, and we go into like, a sort of peer support group, 
and we talk about different things that they've got. I mean, these people are just wildly more talented and more experienced than I am. Like some of the stuff that they're talking about, I'm actually sitting there getting imposter syndrome, but it's to encourage people to learn and I'm learning. So I'm keep mindful of that. But one of them spoke about a client they dealt with who was like a, an actual like professor at Stanford. And he was dealing with a thing called productivity addiction. And as okay. soon as somebody said that in the group, my arsehole went because I knew <laughs> straight away, I knew straight away, I was like... explanation to understand why that made you uncomfortable? I knew straight away what was coming. I knew that they were going to be like, if you do this, if you do that. And it, honestly, mate, it was like, I was like, fuck, mate. Wow, they were just talking about all these sort of things of, do you feel like less a person or like low self-esteem if you do not achieve certain things yeah. in your day? And I was like, right, so that's me. And they were just like, well, what are you going to do if you can't achieve that? Are you just going to go back to being depressed and having severe anxiety and all these sort of things? And I just, I, my eyes got opened a wee bit and I was like, fuck, mate, there is actually a thing where you can be too productive and you can put too much pressure on yourself. And uh, it was quite funny. That's like, fantastic. I had to turn my, my, my video off because I just sat like, I can't believe this, man. This is actually like, this is like reading my fucking mind the way that they were like, oh, so that the client had said that they feel like this. I was like, fuck, mate, I, and it's just that sort of realisation that even though the routine is what keeps me stable, it's sort of like kind of trying to work towards not making it a non-negotiable to yeah. me feeling good about myself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like, I, mean like, I mean, coming back for the furlough, I was saying to you, my re-entry to the work world or the working world had been a bit bumpy. Uh, and, and a lot of what you're talking about was in play. Um, you know, where you're coming back and the, the entire terms of your everyday life, you know, they basically need to be renegotiated. You know what I mean? You need to re, re, you know, reset your expectations and stuff like that. But being out of the mix for seven, eight months at a time and a lot of people will be feeling the same. And this, on this one, they come back that, you know, their roles and their positions have significantly changed just as a result of circumstance. Um, so, you know, if you're not achieving what you are, prior to the break or, you know, prior to the change in circumstances, you could probably still, you know, really take a self, a hit with your self-esteem. I know that, you know, I've asked serious questions of myself in a working capacity since coming back. Thankfully, uh -huh. my gaffer's been absolutely brand new about it and, and has worked with me to get me back to a place where I feel like I'm actually producing at the right level again, you know what I mean? Like, so, but then also with Stace, see working from home, she's having all that conversation with herself. And again, that might be something that a lot of folk are having today where they look at how they work in the office or in whatever their environment normally is. And then when they come home with a laptop and a headset or a mobile phone, and the pace significantly slows, you know what I mean? Like you're then probably in the same boat again where that lack of productivity might have an effect on you. Aye, absolutely, mate. Um, absolutely. And I think like we could have a conversation about like the stuff that I learned, but it's, you know, it's boring, really, um, at the end of the day. But as I think like... Another ways to learn, but I'm like... Oh, well, basically what's happened is, is that I've adopted that like doing the, the generalised counselling mental health stuff with like a whole shit ton of diplomas sitting behind it where I can dip in and out to get skills to help people. Yeah. I can't what basically happened was is I was walking home for like a full day of therapy and felt to myself, I could be doing more to help these people. I don't I feel like they're telling me so this is like my own sort of drive, but they're telling me that they're getting they're feeling good when they come and they see me. Um but I'm like, 
I want to give these people the, the skills and the tools to go and just love the rest. They shouldn't need to come and pay me every week. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like that sort uh, of repeat thing. The, the goal is start, that they eventually don't need you. I, so I started looking into like stuff like that and uh, relapse prevention for depression and anxiety, which actually exists. And I, and I stumbled across a guy uh, called David Burns and he's like one of the pioneers of cognitive behavioural therapy, created right. it in the 60s and 70s. And he's still training people at Stanford. But now he's got a body of staff and they each take a call and one of them thankfully does a worldwide therapist call where if you want to apply, you need to fill in, you need to submit your, your yeah. uh, whatever, why your, your intentions and they let you into a Zoom call, send you a Zoom invite and you're sitting there with people for all the world and they're talking about loads of different perspectives and loads of different standpoints and loads of different clients and their failings and you're sitting going, fuck man, these are therapists that have been doing this for 30 years and they're telling me about how they failed last week. And then I'm walking home for practice and going, I should be doing better, I should be doing more and realising, I've only been doing this for a year. Like, Aye. chill the fuck out. So it gives you that good perspective. But, I mean, I think I've learned more in the last two weeks, three weeks since the 1st of January. And any diploma, any university course that I've done, just listening to these guys' experiences that have been doing it for awesome. 5, 10, 15, 20 years, been incredible and listening to them advocate so passionately for certain types of therapy and then going reading about that and going right let's get a good bit here let's get a good bit there can lift that out and, and put it together but it's free which is unbelievable mate absolutely unbelievable to speak to these people do you know what I mean you need to keep an eye out for you know folk we can invite into talk maybe not necessarily at Stanford but like in and around the communities because you know I like when it comes to any sort of new idea I'm all for like let's explore it and let's see where we're going with it because you know We've obviously looked at a few like UBI and you know violence reduction and all these types of things that are now starting to come to the fore. Like any merit that that's going on elsewhere, I'd be like delighted to get into man. Like, I didn't even think of that, mate. And I think I could probably even reach out to the main man. I think he'd probably do it. He's got his own podcast. If anybody out there <laughs> is actually like thinking, oh, I'm quite interested. This sound that, that guy sounds interesting, or just even I wonder what's attracted Paul to go and engage with him because it was the podcast that started it. His podcast called Feeling Good. And honestly, mate, it's unreal. It's an unreal resource. He does live therapy sessions with people wow. on this podcast. So wow. he's literally lifting the veil and letting you see what, what sits behind, which to me is like a confidence and a, and a, a belief in your own ability that just doesn't really exist because therapy is all very cloak and dagger and it feels like that yeah. anyway. Um, so if anybody's actually like, I'd quite like to, to listen, go and listen to Feeling Good. You might know like, He's got a very specific technique that he uses and he's got a very specific way that he deals with his clients and you might not buy into that, but the way that just for a therapist's point of view, listening to him deal with people's like gold, like a pot of gold. You know, like this guy's one of the world leaders in therapy and I can actually sit down and listen to him and li and then listen to what he thinks about the, what went on. It's unbelievable, mate. And it starts with... He explains his message in like five different podcasts. And then I think he spends about 20 or 30 podcasts actually saying, see, if you want to adopt us without paying a therapist, here's how you do it. You'll have good results. You won't get the same results as if you have a professional. Open source in his work, basically. Oh, mate, I, I, it, unbe unbelievable. So I, that's what I've been up to <laughs> basically the last couple of weeks, mate. Um, but I think like 2021, if we thought, uh, we talking about there, the, the, the red line, the red line happened on the 31st of December, but it wasn't like 
the sweetness and gold that we were hoping for at the, the other side, it seems to have been more of the same, but exaggerated almost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, going back into the national lockdown was was obviously no ideal. And, and, and as, as sarcastically as I was suggesting it earlier on that nothing's happened in the last two weeks, we obviously know that, you know, that's not the case. I mean, I've, I've, I can't think of a time where I've experienced like the media in terms of like bombardment the way I have done in the last couple of weeks. Like I think we being cooped up and no, you know, obviously getting that, you know, new year, new movement sort of thing going, as you were talking about before, Hon, to then also be like kind of like surrounded, what feels like constant just stream of like bad news. Um, mm. probably hasn't helped either. You know what I mean? We obviously went through the lockdowns, um, you know, nationally and then pretty much straight into uh, the capital riots in America and, like, the scenes that, like, were just... There, there was part of it that was, like, comical and, like, we obviously had a few, you mm-hmm. know, Darwin Award nominees and the guy that tasered his own balls and had a heart attack. Um, and the other <laughs> I missed that. Uh, so one guy, one protester died by setting off his taser on his own balls and triggering a heart attack and dying. Um, another woman who broke in through a window where a flag, don't tread on me, was stamped to death. Oh, my um, God. Hi. Um, <laughs> on the other side, there obviously were, like, real, you know, sort of deaths. I think there's been five or six deaths, including um, yesterday, um, one of the police officers involved committed suicide or sort of took oh. his own life. Did he? Uh, and was and he a protester? Was he one no, of this the... Was one of them. This was one of the DC police officers took okay. his own life. Um, I know. So there was a real death total. Like, so as much as it was, there was part of it that you were like, fucking hell, this is wild. And then after a couple of hours of the sort of saturated news that I watched, you started to see the Buffalo guy and folk running about with podiums and you were a bit like, oh Christ, this is kind of petered out and like get a bit ridiculous and silly. Uh-huh. Just get them out the building. And then in the subsequent days, obviously the aftermath and, and you know, what it means for democracy over there is, you know, been pretty chilling. And again, and mm-hmm. that, House or where we are just now, it's it didn't help with, with Mahmoud. <laughs> no, I know. I think I was playing, I was I playing PlayStation and some I heard somebody on PlayStation say, Oh, there's like riots happening in Washington, and I was like, All right, cool. And so I didn't really think much about it. And then I came off the PlayStation and had a look at Twitter and was like, No, wait a minute, like this isn't this has been like some sort of half-arsed military coup or non-military coup like that's happened I um, think for like what you were saying there like I had a I had a, a I was thinking about it the next day and I was like it, the media were almost trying to make it comical it, it wasn't getting quite I, getting taken as seriously as what after like you're saying see after I laughed at that guy's furry fucking helmeted hat like the fucking horned hat and I had a laugh at the person the, the sort of what looked like somebody that had never done any kind of athletics in their life, tried to climb up a fucking wall and fell off the wall. Aye. And you're like having a good laugh at some fucking idiots. Then I started to think like, right, but wait a minute, like this is, this is basically like the head of the empire, like the head of society. America is like, we live in an American society and we're watching not just like so the, the the thought that I had was is I was thinking these are all just fucking queuing on nutcases and then when you actually look at it, mate, there was like judges, police officers, 
middle class people that have get absolutely don't identify as racist, don't identify as standing side by side with somebody with a fucking camp outfits jumper on. And they're starting yeah. to really sort of think about the implications of that and the implications of like, what does this actually mean? What does this mean for us? And what does it mean for like society as a whole? And it's a scary moment, mate. And it, it was almost like kind of ridiculed as like, oh, these are all just conspiracy nutters. And you're like, it's no. There's yeah. people of colour there. As long as much as they're, they're in a minority, there are black people, Mexican people there, and like I yeah. said, like judges, people with actual shit to lose if they... And the other question that really asked myself is, do they really get what they're wanting here? Do they really understand what this means for them? Like, if, And I think those people are starting to see the consequences with getting arrested and getting jailed and stuff. Yeah, but, we've been at the airports and stuff like that, and people on their social media asking Trump for pardons and stuff like that, and you're just like... I mean, these people thought, you know, when you see that, the whatever the Texas sort of minor celebrity that was private jetting it and stuff like that. And they, you know, talking about how they were going to take back Washington and then was like, oh, well, I was naming in violence. And you were like, well, come on now. You flew halfway across the country to pick a fight. Like, uh-huh. And now you're in the front door of your house asking the president who asked you to do this to like pardon you. Like, uh-huh. There is a direct correlation between them. But I think outside the, the sort of silliness of how something is portrayed, as you say, like there is that serious, like, iconography of you know like a seat of power kind of top one um and i think i seen a thread for one an american journalist um where they had like pictures of people in the house chamber with like cable ties you know so there was like heavily armed guys and body armor you know who were there to basically take hostages i mean like the plan was to get into the chamber and take hostages and thankfully I don't know if you've seen the, the footage of the, the police officer diverting the, the sort of protesters away from the, the senators that were hiding. Um, there was a, a black officer who was in one of the hallways as a crowd sort of comes running on him and he starts to back up the stairs and he's basically leading this crowd up the stairs because they're like chasing him up these stairs and he gets to a landing where on one side all the senators are hiding and on the other side is like his backup and he manages to divert this crowd just by, you know, walking in a certain direction and they all follow mm-hmm. him and they walk into, you know, the, the sort of backup that then sort of disperses them inside the building. But the guy was being hailed as a hero because who knows what would have happened had anybody's turned just, they're just right in the corridor. They would have been in rooms full of senators um, and, yeah, things could have got way different than they actually yeah. did, you know I think for the purposes of like for a, a, a Democrats, even though I don't, I'm not talking about Democrats as in like you know Nancy Pelosi, but for like a, somebody that believes in democracy, democracy is like the sort of best political way that we've come up with or whatever. Um, I'm th- I'm thankful they didn't get to the votes, and the, because that like the that's what their whole goal was to sort of try and snatch and grab these fucking votes that they were counting um, and try and sort of like yeah delegitimize the election of Biden. I mean, that's that's how dangerous, that's where it's like, there's like a section of these people that thought they were in like a playground that don't see this as anything sort of serious. It's almost like making fun, what we're saying, people are making funny on the internet, but actually like what they were trying to do was very, very dangerous. And some of the images that came out of it shocked me to my core. Like, Like I said, judges, police officers, people of color standing side by side with a guy with a fucking camp outfit jumper just really shocked me, 
Yeah. They, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was a really shoddy gallows when you see the picture, but they set a gallows up outside. Aye. The this is, these you know people know. mean business, mate. This is, these people mean Aye. business. Um, and I think, like, one of the big things that really I started to go, I started to go, fuck off, man, was Biden's bullshit about this is un American. You don't know America, mate. You don't know. Yeah. This is what the problem is, is that you're so disconnected that you don't realise is that this is... How many people voted for this guy? How close yeah. was this election? This election should have been a fucking monumental landslide. Um, and although he did win it convincingly in the end, it did run closer than what you would expect a fascist to get. You know, yeah. Somebody that has ran their country into ground during a global pandemic, openly backed up racist and white supremacists, you would expect this guy to lose handsomely and he didn't. So, like, that whole, this is un-American, that means nothing to these people. They don't buy into your America. Yeah, so, Trumpism, or, or like, that, and what do, what do I mean by that sort of Trumpism? Like, the sort of, I'll say what I like, I'll do what I like. You know, like, basically, Eric Cartman, like, that sums yeah. up sort of Trumpism. That isn't going anywhere. That is not going to go anywhere to me, you know what I mean? So they I need to either... Those guys like Cruz and uh, Jones and that Stoughton, you know, the, the support. I think there's a, a couple of really shady characters in the GOP who would quite happily become, you know, Trump's heir apparent. And I think guys like Ted Cruz are almost the dictionary definition of what, like, a, a bad politician is. I mean, Ted Cruz ran for president in 2016 against Trump, where Trump claimed that his father was involved in the Kennedy assassination and you know, basically, like, I basically said his wife was ugly and all sorts of stuff. Now, through this, like, stop the steel nonsense. Ted Cruz has been a leading cheerleader. I mean, I mean, you couldn't be merry about liquor than to mm -hmm. see and hear some of the things that Trump had to say about him, and then be the guy that's leading the charge for his bullshit. I mean, spineless just doesn't even cover it. And then we've got Aye. guys like Jones, and there's, there's others out there who are looking at this seventy-four million block of people and thinking to themselves you know what I mean like, ah, maybe I could be president one day if I can get on side with these people this is it, mate. Mm -hmm. what comes next is, is the question yeah. and I think like for a for a, an ideological of like for an ideology that sort of tries to play itself as the ideology of men and like the strong man like what kind of man is Ted Cruz what kind of Aye. man is Donald Trump? Like, these guys are fucking pussies, man. Like, absolute cucks. And you're right. running about with your AR-15s or your wire ties and your armour, somehow thinking that these cunts are here to, and that they represent you, and they represent nothing other than what you're trying to fight against. It's just, it's so weird to watch. Um, another thing that was really sort of screaming to me is the whole, what happened to, like, sort of democracy and freedom in the American way? It's almost like, well, it doesn't work for the sort of straight white male anymore, so we don't want it. We actually want yeah. dictatorship. Now that democracy doesn't work in my favour, it can go and fuck itself and I'll just take whatever's, do you know what I mean, that I think yeah. is the best option for me and my kind. Absolutely. It's, it's disgusting, mate. Here as well, but I mean, like, the, the reaction for the UK government to these events was absolutely shocking. I mean, Boris Johnson obviously put out a very kind of, like, mealy-mouthed tweet about, oh, violence is bad, like, you know, thoughts and prayers or whatever nonsense he tweeted. <laughs> But what I thought was more telling was like the day after when they're talking to Perry Patel, the you know Pretty Patel, sorry, the Home Secretary, and she's flat out refusing to condemn guys like Donald Trump and stuff like that for their behaviour. And you're just like, 
I don't know, man. This is no like you know the whole world is storming up condemning it, and we've got UK officials going. Mm, well, I mean, well, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like that. Extremely worrying for me. You know what I mean? Like the even. I mean, he's an outgoing president. Like his, his administration's forty bits. People are sacking, uh, resigning, and you know walking away. There's you know people terrified that they're never going to work again, having been associated with his administration, and rightfully so. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But for them to be so lame over there at the minute, but yet find our government still so like compliant is just. And there's no political incentive to mealy mouth it. You could just go, it's a disgrace, it should never happen. And there was no political ground by actually just saying the right thing for once. And even then, they still refuse to do it. And you're just like, fuck you, man. Like, I don't know. I think they probably, they they will probably think that they would lose some political ground, I think. Trump's got a lot of supporters in this country. They all wrap themselves in a fucking butcher's apron, but he's got a lot of support, especially amongst the Farages and no doubt the Reese Moggs and I think like Boris I mean Trump should be his fucking the way he's been and the way that he's come into politics Trump's probably his fucking idol do you know what I mean really idolise this guy he's managed to convince working class people that somehow a privileged billionaire that went to military school is like some sort of representative of middle or working class people so they 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 aspire to be like him they want to be like him do you know what I mean like that's that's the whole like so we've seen fucking Matt fucking Hancock on Good Morning Britain. I hate that, and I still hate that fucking Pierce Morgan is some sort of like a bastion or like uh, sort of the middle ground here always. I'll never get all that, mate. I'm never ever going to fucking get all that. But he's one of the very few people that actually oh, holds these cunts to, to account. In recent mm. times, do you know what I mean? For the same reasons, but we watched Matt aye, Hancock aye. And, and he was getting pressed on like, do you want to say that you regret voting against the school meals thing? And he just kept coming back and saying, I'm happy that it's been resolved. I'm happy that it's been resolved. But it's just political speak for basically going, fuck yourself. I'm not going back on anything that I've ever done. I had a, a very brief conversation with somebody on Twitter where they were like, I actually can't believe this. And I was like, no, I can, because their whole ideological outlook is, is that they've got where they are through their own hard work, which is absolute delusional. So in that ideology also exists that if you're poor, that you're there for a reason and that everything is there for you to get yourself out of it. And that includes your kids. So if you think that you're going to get a free ride or that your children are going to get a free ride, that's going to set this dangerous precedent of like, you know, handing stuff for free. And so, no, and the worrying thing for that is, is that people were actually backing that up in the comments, mate. Like going, I, I don't think people should be handed stuff for free. I've worked for everything that I've got, and it's just like, I just, you just want to fucking slap these people into aye, reality. Cool for you. I mean, like, and it, aye, I mean, moving back to more UK stuff, like, there is that attitude there. I mean, you've seen it reflected, if we're talking about the similarities between guys like Trump and guys like Johnson, and, you know, their inability to pass stimulus in America. You know, they've been a wee bit better organised here, but there has been massive gaps. And the one that keeps coming back time and time and, and I don't get why at this point this government just doesn't go, this is like the third or fourth time school meals has come up and bit us in the arse in the middle of a pandemic. Why don't we just put enough money into it to resolve the issue once and for all? Because every time it falls short, we're going to face this shitstorm that we've faced four times this year already. So mm-hmm. learn, learn the lesson and just like fix it. You know what I mean? Like, um, the latest one with the, you know, five, six pounds worth of stuff gone for 30 quid. I mean, <sighs> that is just reflective of the ideology of profiteering that we've seen 
throughout the entire pandemic, whether it be PPE, whether it be, you know, whether, you know, where vaccines are going to get rolled out or, you know, all these other things that have been sort of monetized by the government almost unnecessarily. Obviously, school meals is going to be another one. And what people were getting ex takes, you know, feed families for, you know, for somewhere between seven and 10 days, just actually just shameful, man. Like, just disgusting. I know, mate. I mean, a bag, like a money bag of tuna. Like, how do you, do you know what I actually thought? Because the company that supplied that to the families, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. The people are sharing their Instagram feed where they were yeah, like, No, like the, the sort of like, here's what we supply to Fettis College in, in Edinburgh. Oh, and it's I, all I, like, Pret a Manger, fucking, you know, like kids coming in uh, and getting their fucking. Ah, exactly. And so I think that I, you can't help but feel that they deliberately make these things dehumanizing so that you don't take it. And so yep. if they've if they've allocated, say, they go a million kids are in poverty and it's five pounds per kid or thirty quid, sorry, thirty quid per kid, um, there's thirty million pounds we need to allocate to this. Okay, great. But if we can get half of them not to take that. Do you know what I mean? Like that sort of like yeah. there's there's another fifteen million pound that we can siphon off the top into our mates' pockets through their companies. And you sort of try not be that skeptical about it, but it's hard not to be, you know, when it comes At to this like this. Point, it's almost impossible not to be because we've just seen so much of it, particularly in the last year. I mean, it's always gonna be part of what they do because it's what they do. But I mean, this year, you know, it's it's been at a level and a brashness, like just a brazenness that is it's just unacceptable, man. Like, I don't, I, you know, the notion that every single thing is a commodity that's up for sale when, you know, people are actually in genuine need is just fucking nonsense to me. So it is like, just help people get it done and then we'll, you know, work the rest of it as we go. You know what I mean? Absolutely, mate. Um, the, the whole thing in America uh, actually raised a bit of a question for me. And I think it's a question that uh, I've asked before. And I think we've asked before, I like people like Paul Sweeney and Loki, who, I mean, don't know about yourself, I speak for myself, that I feel like have got a better understanding of politics than I do. So, yeah. like, historical politics as well. But mm -hmm. watching people of, like, let's just say the moderate right or, like, right off centre, standing side by side, with Holocaust deniers, KKK members, whatever fuckers that you want, the, the scum of the earth, which, uh, and these sort of riots in America, like, do you think that the left can actually put their own distaste for the other factions of the left to one side to try and sort of like have this kind of social impact that this sort of Trumpism's having? Um, because it feels very much like through the media that the left has been sort of divvied up into these wee tiny factions that can't actually agree with each other. Whereas when you look at the right, it seems to be that the the, the moderates are so sick and no having it the way that they want it, that they're willing to stand side by side with these fucking cretins to get the change that they think that they want. I think probably what we'll see, again, similarly to what happened just in the last American election there was that I think it'll be more that people come to a breaking point than people learn to unify. And I think we know that a, a number of Biden's, you know, record-breaking votes were 
actually like anti-Trump votes rather than pro-Biden votes in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when it comes to like left and right, particularly in the UK, um, it'll be that people come to a breaking point, almost like they did, at, you know, the post-Thatcher, you know, major. Like, as Blair came in, we had this idea that things were going to be different and new. And I think we need to get to a, a place again where folk are so desperate for change that they can throw off some of what we've been putting up with. And then at that point, it's about whether or not somebody comes in and looks like they're going to be changing on it or come in and deliver. You know what I mean? That's going mm-hmm. to be the difference between a Biden and a Sanders or a, a Corbyn and a Starmer. You know what I mean? Like this is the, the, the paths that you know the left are going to have to choose between. And I don't think either of the two of them get out of the line with the people just being sickened by what we're currently having to put up with. But I'm there. I'm, I'm I'm fucking way past there. I have been for, you know, a very long time. But I think you too, mate. I'm a minority, unfortunately. I don't think. I think that Scotland. A lot of people. I think the majority of people of Scotland are like that, and I think that explains the sort of nationalism that we see. And I don't obviously yeah. like you can qualify different types of nationalism, but I think like historically, nationalism has generally been a bad thing for. Oh. Especially the people that live in that fucking country, it's be. But we know that the Scottish nationalist sort of movement has been a different type, a more progressive type of nationalism. But also, yeah. But also, I'm willing to overlook a lot of the things that I see within the SNP um, that I don't like. I mean, I'll talk about yeah. it, but I'll still vote for them. And the reason for that being is, is that they feel like the only viable, so the only viable yeah. way. Out. I mean, I don't necessarily see Scottish independence as something that's like pure, uh, even if it, you know, like I don't, I would do it no matter what. I feel like it's it, it's the right choice, but it also bigger than that, I feel like it's a way out of this sort of like um, perpetual right wing English governments and like we've had two yeah. Labour, Labour governments in the last 30 years or whatever, 40 years nearly. So this perpetual sort of English right wing governments coming in or neoliberal. Like it, it, like it was under Thatcher. So I don't know. I, I can, I can kind of see that in Scotland, where people put their individual issues, like gender, uh, the GRA, uh, football mm-hmm. offence act, these things that are like fuck's sake. Like Alex Salmon's clearly like his, historical sort of handsy thing <laughs> that went on. But you're willing <laughs> to put these things to one side because we've got like we've got an actual goal so it's like once the S- if we did get or when we get independence the SNP won't be my automatic vote I'll start to actually like look at the different sort of options and I think like that that sort of I can see the left kind of doing that but that gets really shit posted and gets sort of talked down on, on Twitter and amongst sort of media as well but opportunity now more than ever in Scotland for we Richard Leonard gone during the week. I mean, obviously, we had yeah. tweeted going to be speaking on Wednesday or Thursday this week. I can't remember. And then, you know, we um, circumstance got in the way and we, we recorded a couple of days later. So we've subsequently have been able to chat about, you know, obviously Richard Leonard moving on. Um, it's a bit of an event for me, really. I mean, if you're third to the Tories in Scotland, you know, eventually it's, it's going to be too much. I think the manner in which he's went or appears to have went where donors have got to Starmer um, is maybe a bit shady but at the same time Labour have now got an opportunity to make a maybe a positive change you know four months ahead of the election um, mm. and I really hope that they take 
the considerations into account because in an independent Scotland we will need an effective Labour movement and without an effective Labour party um, it's going to be pretty difficult to do that in the early years, you know what I mean? Like, um, I hope they don't just stick blindly to unionism. Some of the names that have been banded about um, don't give me a lot of hope, but mm. you know, hopefully, like you say, if we can get to that independence, then there will be a bit more room for the left. Like I'm, I'm quite a fan of a number of the green policies uh, in Scotland. I'm also, you know, quite a fan of a number of the representatives of the Green Party as well. Like, and, and you know, some of them handle themselves really well. Um, I think, you know, any opportunity for them to grow down the line would be amazing. You know, I mean, they have been on a quite slow but steady growth in Scotland, and obviously, you know, form part of the government and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. hopefully, they can build that this year as well, because in the absence of a party, we need other left-leaning parties to actually keep some of the mere right and centre-right you know, notions of the SNP in check. Mm-hmm, absolutely. The one thing that really sort of I, I, I kind of get my head around when it comes to Scottish Labour because it, it is a I don't care what anybody says and I mean even people that we've met person to person if they're, if, mm-hmm. and they're in the Labour movement like your party sits on its knees and sucks the cock of the party in Westminster and that is why it won't get behind independence in this country and there is no way and I mean this like there is no way that the people that we've met don't feel that it's potentially the right thing to do but they just won't say it that's my opinion on it is like they're they're reasonable people they say all the right things until it comes to the independence argument and you're basically just sucking the dick a, a Westminster and that. The party line. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that you raised there about the donors, that really just that is what's wrong with politics, mate. Like I, I get, um, I understand. I'm, I'm the same with you. I, I think. That, Leonard, but that's mm-hmm. that's the wrong way there. Yeah, for sure. Just to be like, oh, so the money men came in and went, get rid of this cunt. He's not going to win fuck all in, in May or June, and so they they enforced that. It's like surely your performance is based on. I mean, his, his performance was shite anyway. And if they came out and went, oh, the, the reason that we've sacked him is because he's shite, you'd be like, oh, fair play. But just the whole fact that they I was they quite didn't... a fan of the notion of like a national care service. Um, I know that's an idea that's maybe not exclusively his, but it was something that he was championing in the event that Labour ever managed to float themselves into some form of power up here. Um, right. So I it, it was a bit gaffy at times and you know probably didn't pick you know the, his fights as effectively as he should have but like they weren't all bad ideas but no, I, no. It, it definitely sounds like he got absolutely shafted mm-hmm. um, so aye that's it man like uh, aye, I, I, I'm with you it would almost be like the leader of the Lib Dems I don't even know who the leader of the Lib Dems is do you know what I mean? Like it's it's so insignificant. I I still, is it no actually still Willie Rennie? If they know just went, it's so pointless changing leader that we just left it with the same guy that everybody already hates anyway. Aye, and I think even worse is I don't even know who don't the leader. Know. Of, I, don't, I don't know who the leader of the the, the UK Lib Dems are either. Last one I remember is uh, the Jesus guy. There was. Swinson in between times until she oh, lost the seat. That's right. Aye, that's right. That's how, again, it, like, some lord, some lord or other, they did the Labour thing last time where they appointed a lord of the realm. Okay. I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. So I like it's just a generic guy. Aye, it just represents everything that's wrong with politics, really. That the again, that the, the money men can sort of crack the whip and the leader of the, the actual party can tell the leader of the shitty version or the wee brother that. They're going to need to change. Um, but I, I, this is kind of like what 
what you were saying earlier on about I think you were saying earlier on about sort of viable sort of electable candidates like Sanders versus Biden. It's like almost mm-hmm. like Biden's more electable, Starmer's more electable or, uh, than than uh, than Jeremy Corbyn. And you're like, well, here's a word of warning, Tony Blair. Two words of warning. You know what I mean? Like that's what happened the last time. Like, and do you yeah. really it destroyed your movement? Do you know what I mean? Like don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like that's Ironically, weird. Labour were in, I seen polls yesterday, surveillance polls yesterday in England saying that Labour had actually took a, a lead in the polls up to like 41% towards it dropped down into like the high 30s. So there's in the last fortnight or so been something like a what, five, ten point swing in Labour's favour. Um, but I, I, is that because people are finally seeing this government for the absolute shit show and shambles that it is? Or is it that the appearance of somebody like Starmer is giving off Tony Blair vibes that people can get behind. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Probably a bit of both, to be honest with you. Absolutely. And I think, like, the Tories would just roll out, you know, well, Starmer's a Blair, right? Look what Blair's government did. And the left is in the shit. Just that whole bullshit. I mean, I've actually seen people starting to bring that back out the fucking arsenal again on Twitter when they're Aye. talking to each other about, like, the last Labour government left this place. And I mean, it's not a global... That would be like blaming the, the current Tories on not the reaction to coronavirus, which you can criticise all you want, but actually saying that they have caused coronavirus. Aye. It's like, no, it was something Aye. even bigger. It was bigger and deeper than that. And I don't Aye. think you, you do it much justice by blaming Ed Balls or Gordon Brown or Tony Blair on like the financial mm. institutions of the world collapsing. They were the Absolutely. Absolutely. I blame neoliberalism. Fuck them. I'm a bit worried about when we talk about Scottish Labour um, that somebody seems to be wanting to float the idea of reanimating Gordon Brown's dead corpse. Um, <laughs> I don't. I've not seen this. You know, so really is he on the short list? No, there's, I've seen a few folk being like, Gordon Brown's the man who leads Scottish Labour, and you're like, is he? I, I, I don't see it. You know what I mean? Like, I think given that things like the vow to this day still directly contribute to why people no longer have faith in the Labour Party, I think putting somebody like Gordon Brown at the head of the organisation in Scotland would just be catastrophic. I mean, it would be hilarious in a sense, but like his his day has surely been and gone already. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, day the guy Could you, and just right, so what, let, we're let sit- this one out. You know what I mean? Aye, we're sitting here talking about how like the nationalist movement and Scotland is like a progressive and blah blah blah. blah. We see ourselves as a progressive <laughs> country as much as we. I know I'll acknowledge like the history and hands up to all that, like yeah. apart in slavery and like apart in like the shit that's went on in the world colonization. But um, can you imagine George Galloway versus Gordon Brown as like potential votes for like Aye. representatives bad enough, but leaders like actual people that would have some sort of fucking influence in this country. Like an episode of Doctor Who where they went back to 1993 you know what I mean mm-hmm. absolutely I mean what do you feel about Galloway's triumphant return to watch Queen of the South but uh, during Covid like, get arrested. did they get arrested these, uh, I am I well he got questioned for breaching Covid protocols because he did the whole thing about something the first minister had said you know, stay out, don't travel, and he was crossing uh, the border on New Year's Day again at pure 
in your face sturgeon sort of thing and then went freedom freedom George Galloway definitely thinks that Braveheart George Galloway definitely thinks that William uh, Braveheart was like historically accurate do you know what I mean he's that he's that <laughs> level of fucking nutcase um, I pay him absolutely any attention other than just uh, you see the occasional batshit hang that like, trends or whatever and you're like right cool there's just George Galloway being George Galloway again you know what I mean like, uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> I think it's hilarious again. The other one I seen this week was that Nigel Farage is starting in a, a, a party in Scotland that is going to make a positive case for the union, and I'm like, yeah. hmm, like that's a that is a new level of delusion that I didn't think was possible. But then I think when you look at somebody like Farage, who you know, <clears> an egotist who has actually like influenced the, the you know the path of England and has been held up as an example by guys like Trump in America and that, of course he's got the confidence that, you know, he's going to come up here and make some sort of union saving move, but you need to forget that every time he comes up here he gets literally chased out of town, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, the ball's on the guy as much as he's an absolute wankstein, like, the ball's to be like I'm going to go up there and change the minds of all Scottish people like there's there's a level of like delusion in play there that I kind of admire a wee bit you know what I mean I I mean and they get chased into a fucking pub in Edinburgh the most English Scottish city that <laughs> fucking exists I mean Mondo Nagalaget do you know what I mean Mon, bring it bring it mate but do you know what it just reminds me of it reminds me and it still exists it's just that you're, what you're saying is bang on mate and it, and it still exists it's well, as soon as you say that sort of level of delusion, I just get that image of 2014 with a dude playing the Imperial March, as and it brings us sort of like <laughs> back to Labour and the and the the Labour Party sending their Westminster representatives up to reassure the mind, the hearts and minds of the Scottish people that their interests are taken seriously and that independence is now the way forward. And this is where I can actually get a bit annoyed at the sort of labour movement in Scotland where you're like, this is what you're siding with, man. Like, just remember yeah. that. that The reason that people are so passionate about independence is because of your own hubris and your own arrogance and your 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 actual fucking clambering to stand side by side with fucking Tories. Don't ever yeah. forget that. Like, don't ever fucking forget that. You, you'll forget it at your peril. The, the labour movement in Scotland's hanging by the fucking thread of its teeth. Um, and the wrong move here will, will snap it but yeah that arrogance exists in there like see any not to generalise but the majority of people don't understand independence in England like when I've spoke to people that I worked with previously in a corporate setting we down south and they would always be wanting to speak to me not because of me but just because I was Scottish at that time and they would say you voting yes and I would say yep and it would almost be like how can you even consider that I don't understand that um, and it's almost like you want to go, well, we know change is hard, but it's usually quite worthwhile. So we don't want to be, you know, like, it's for our own purposes. I think there's a lot of them think, oh, it is from my perspective, mate, and I know it is for yours. A lot of them think that it's this whole anti-English thing and that we don't want to be part of their thing. And it's like, no, we want our own thing. No. We just want our own thing. I we just that. want to, you know what I mean? But that arrogance that you're talking about, that runs like a vein through the society. That's why they voted Aye. for Brexit. That's why the you know what I mean. They still sit and why sit and tell people that three and a half million people have been vaccinated, which is absolute horseshit. Like it's like half a million people have had both jabs, which means that they're actually fucking vaccinated. But the three and a half million people have had the first yep. jab. They're not vaccinated. Yeah, the fudging the numbers, isn't it? Uh -huh, so fudging the numbers by saying 
everybody needs two doses, but when you get your first dose, they're counting that as one vaccination, and then when uh-huh. you get your second dose, it's like when they were doing the PPE thing and they were counting two gloves as individual bits of PPE. So, they were, so instead of counting a pair of gloves as one bit of PPE, each individual glove was saying PPE. Yeah. And like, this is that, you know what I mean? Like, they're just going to fudge everything, man. Like, I, you know, when it comes to data, they're not the best anyway. I mean, I think just this week, what the, the law and order home secretary, whose own parents probably wouldn't get into the country based on her rules, or her own words, by the way, um, right. lost 400,000 police records. So there's a pretty decent chance that Amanda could have come in and slipped through the net anyway. Because our department is completely fucking useless, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. four hundred thousand criminal records were destroyed and lost, you know what I mean? Like the first estimate was one hundred and fifty thousand, but they're saying it could be anywhere up to four hundred. So that's like criminal convictions. That's like court appeal. You know, all sorts of stuff has just went straight out the window. How many so, times has yeah, that happened? Well, they've lost a well, laptop. Well, certainly, certainly more than it should have. But I. It's I, the whole thing's. I mean, it's almost like maybe things like school meals and that are deliberately not resolved so that they can use the furore every couple of weeks to like hide all this other fucking nonsense that they're doing uh-huh. in the back. Because you know they're definitively and like verifiably bad on every single front that they're being measured on. It's like it's incredible. Aye, absolutely. But they, so like in in that sort of sense. They don't even respect their own people, and like, so why would they respect us? Why would they care about us? Like, they, they don't. It just the home that like survived a bullying scandal where, you know, recommendations were made to the prime minister to accept her resignation, and for the first time in all British politi- political history, that advice wasn't taken. So she's already survived. Like, well, she's been banned for two scandals in her previous role. She's now had two major scandals on this one. You know, like. The woman's bulletproof, and I think when you look at the next one that's on the horizon with the UK government and its workers' rights, like Patel, Gove, Johnson, Rab, etc., all wrote the book on essentially devaluing workers' rights, and now you know they're starting to push on this. So I think Patel and all these ones can be as incompetent as they like in the role because so long as they agree with the overarching view that people's you know services and people's living conditions need to deteriorate then the government's just going to brass neck it and keep them in play anyway and that's exactly what they've done they've done it with cummings they've done it with patel you know what i mean like the mm. list will probably go on and on and on you know what i mean like they, need, they need ended man aye so i think like maybe if you taking like a sort of neutral and look none of that maybe the expectation that they'll do anything right is maybe insanity rather than Visual, I mean, <laughs> just aye. expect the worst. Just, just expect the worst. They don't care. They value institutions. Aye. They don't. They don't give a fuck. And that's exactly. See, just the, just what you just said, Dylan. That's what's happened in America. They're just completely devalued and delegitimized the institutions, and so their their societies like seems to be like sort of the arse is falling out of it and it's crumbling beneath them. Um, is there anything else that you aye. wanted to talk about as far as like sort of UK or US politics was concerned before we? <laughs> It's been suitably depressing enough, I think. Um, Absolutely. But what are you going on to next? I don't normally <laughs> talk celebrity shit, right? Because, like, I don't... I, I honestly, like, the notion of celebrity doesn't interest me at all. I think we see that. It's maybe a, a side effect of talking to folk with a level of celebrity pretty regularly. I don't know, but it's never been something that interested me. But two 
particular stories like jumped out at me this week. Okay. Um, when I say jumped out at me, I mean they like came at me like a fucking alien face hugger. Um, so I figured we might as well just like touch them. Right, um, go for it. Or no touch them, as the case may be after this. Um, did you hear about Azalea Banks digging up a dead cat and boiling it? No. <laughs> Right. So, go for it. Tell me what the fuck. Banks, she's a rapper. Apparently, uh-huh. her cat died um couple of months ago. So it wasn't even recent. Like a couple of months ago, um there was like some cowboy shit about her. She was all in. She was out in her backyard and digging up the cat. And then, essentially, I think somebody was saying that she was having the skull gilded, what she was having the cat's skull like, plated in gold. So ah, like, she okay. was boiling the cat down to like, free up the skull. Instead of in the modern world just sending a picture of your cat to like a 3D printer and having them like mm. make a plastic one, for example. Uh-huh. I don't know. But this was like the explanation for the madness was that she might okay. like, have dead cat skull gilded. Which gold. is slightly better than my first thought, which was like dead cat soup. It was like was she fucking so making this thing. She was apparently drinking and eating out the bowl and stuff. Oh, like that. no way, Next, man. People had it all banned and taken down and all the rest of it. And um, the other one, was, uh, did you hear the Army Hammer one? The guy who played the Lone Ranger in that shit Johnny Depp movie? No, 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 no. So he was like texting back and forth with some like fuck buddy about how he wanted to like cannibalize her. And she's fucking posted it to like every sort of newspaper on the face of the planet and there was people like running like full chat streams of this guy fantasizing about essentially cannibalizing this lassie and like keeping her in his fridge and all the rest of it and you're just like I fucking wow. mental so I think, sure? like, the pressure that we spoke about at the start of the show is as present in celebrity life as it is you know oh, for sure mate the, Did- the Dubai well, we'll talk about that in two seconds because I, I do want to talk about Celtic actually, um, and we can touch on celebrity in general, I suppose, just as like a nice wee segue. Uh, because, but did you hear that um, Kanye had sex with Jeffrey Star, who's like a, a male YouTuber? I, don't know, I, wanna, I mean, I, I, I fair play to them. I don't care, but I, I did see I, it. I, it was about absolutely, mate. <laughs> I do not give a fuck who Kanye West. Kanye West could shag whoever he wants, like, but. Um, I think Probably like does, when we when we were talking about back when he was doing the eight zeros on his phone with his MAGA hat and stuff, there was there was a lot of people that there being like were concerned for him, like were really concerned for him. Um and I was talking to him and obviously like Sean's big into these things and she keeps up with like sort of celebrity and I was like, see the name of their show, like keeping up with the Kardashians, is that like a challenge to any guy that goes anywhere fucking near them? Because like <laughs> Like, honestly, you like need what? To be this crazy to write this. I mean, I don't. I'm not saying before anybody leaves. But having sex with a guy doesn't make you mentally ill, right? Like, absolutely fucking not. No. Even if that's the thing that's like, if people like were concerned for them in their life, and it turns out they've been closeted gay, and that's the thing that's been really causing a lot of friction in their life, not being able to accept themselves or whatever it might be, like, I feel for yeah. you. Like, I feel for you, and like, and I hope that you get at it, but. This guy's been spiraling down a rabbit hole for like two years now, and he's been getting wheeled out. You know what I mean? Like he's been uh, on the Kardashians, like Trump's been there, Joe Rogan, like all these like big, big things, and people have been going concerned for him. And the people around about him have been talking about like how this is his genius and his flow states just takes him to these places, and he's, he's a bit zany and all that. I get that, but you could clearly see that this guy was not right. 
And I think this sort of just kind of confirms it that he's not been right. Um, mm. But also, like, how many how, how many men do they want to chew up and spit out, like, before they start to realise that they're the fucking problem? Like, seriously, like, uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, like, you could, there's a laundry list of them, like, uh, the guy Odin, is it Omar Odin or something like that? That guy split up with one of Kardashians and ended up overdosing on Viagra and with, like, a brothel in New Orleans or something. They had to get his stomach pumped and Wow. Blood pressure taken down because um, there's the other guy Scott Disick he's the body to one of them he's severely suicide attempts going to depress Bruce Jenner turned into Caitlyn Jenner I don't know if that's had anything to do with them I hope no I think I don't think so but also when you see the footage of him before he, he transitioned and the way that they treated him the way that they treat their boyfriends and their husbands man it is a bit fucking like there's a pattern that's starting to emerge here and there's no right. smoke without fire so many of them have had their boyfriends and husbands have had mental health issues that it's just off the fucking charts. Do you know what I mean? So aye. um there's try to like try to keep up with them literally cost lives, I think, to a certain extent. And I and I, I'm actually surprised that it hasn't cost them one of their lives, do you know what I mean? Because of the, the pressure they put aye. on themselves to keep up with us. The celebrity in general, I mean I don't know if you've seen the articles down the rounds through the week about the, you know, influencers and types who are here, you know, the people who are trying to, you know, emulate these lifestyles. Uh-huh. We're getting a lot of stick for traveling to Dubai. Um, uh-huh. And they were basically like, fuck it, we're out sunbathing, we're out having like five-star meals, we're out having like cocktail parties, and it's all these Love Island types and whatnot. And obviously they got a fair amount of stick, a big bit of backlash. And obviously we've seen a similar thing with, you know, the, the Celtic bullshit as well, where like, read the room, like I think you know, notions of celebrity are you know obviously double sided. You've got you know that as you say, like Azalea Banks and Army Hammer, who you know they're clearly just like ordinary people who are going through something, and it's just unfortunate that you know the world is watching them while they do it. Um, the Kardashian things maybe a bit more deliberate because they are obviously creating and selling you know a sort of brand and a lifestyle, but. Mm-hmm. I- the folk out there, the new that are trying to emulate them and that lifestyle, and the, you know the five star life, the sunshine and cocktails nonsense. Like, just get a buy the new man. Like we're all sitting here fucking locked up in living rooms for like days at a time. Like we don't need your fake life making us feel worse about who we are than we are well, today. And you just straight up just shouldn't be doing it right now. I, I've got two things to put to that. One, I know somebody who was in Dubai the week before Christmas. Um, they were there for 10 days <clears throat> and the whole thing is you can go to Dubai and you can go to the UAE you can go to Abu Dhabi and all these places because when you land in the airport you get tested you got to put your light on nice one dude. I am just conscious of like how fucking ridiculously dark it got there in a very short space of time I mean it's that time of day it's only 2 o'clock for a <laughs> <laughs> it's only two o'clock. It feels like I was thinking that myself, there, dude. I was thinking it's you've that, that must have got dark outside. So I got two things to add to this. Like I know somebody that was in Dubai. Uh, they'd been there for ten days, and the whole sort of thing is, is that you can go to the UAE, Abu Dhabi, Dubai because they test you when you land at the airport, and so there's no everybody that's on the island is negative. Well, mm-hmm. they get tested when they landed and never get their negative results until they had been back in the UK for five days. So. Oh, that is fucking bullshit. None of that's happening. 
the basically Dubai are just like, just come here and spend your fucking money. We need to keep uh, this because that's what they are. They're basically like a fucking ridiculously overpriced tourist attraction, right? The second one is is that I heard somebody speaking the other day, and again, I'm not going to share any names, that knows an influencer that was sharing pictures of Dubai for two years ago to seem like they're there just now. Right. So it's even more fake than what you think it is, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's this sort of influencer lifestyle. People are actually putting up fake pictures of previous trips to try and make it seem like they qualify for this elite group of people that can just ignore the global pandemic, go and get their all-inclusive hotels in Dubai. And do you know what? Honestly, see if that's what your life is about. Go and fucking do it. I don't give a yeah. fuck. Like, just don't bring it back here and kill fucking folk. Do you know what I mean? Don't yeah. put your fucking, your, your own lifestyle and your own social media presence above the lives of your fucking friends and family. Like, genuinely, like, I just, I yeah. can't get my head around that. But the one good thing, a celebrity that was this week, I mean, we've done a previous episode on this, but like, I don't know if you've seen anything about the boy Stephen Bell. No, he's another one of these Love Island cunts that's famous for doing fuck all, right? Um, right and yeah. He's resorted because like, he's not making money from Big Brother or whatever like that. He's not resorted, but he's opened an OnlyFans. Like, the guy's got an OnlyFans. Um, okay. And he he must, I don't know, he, he must get these birds back. They're only famous in the hope that they'll get famous for shagging him on his OnlyFans or whatever. I don't know what... Or maybe he hires, maybe he hires people, maybe it's porn stars, whatever, to make his own content because he you know he'll make more money. But he puts CCTV footage on fucking rattling one of these Love Island birds on his OnlyFans without her permission. Oh. Right? Now, mate, see if you've not heard any of this, go and watch it after I've, I've spoken about this. He then put, he then started to get cancelled online and put up a fake video where he pretended that he was going to commit suicide. Oh, Jesus Christ. So he was then mocking suicide. Then he put up a post on the 31st being like, ha ha, I'm in Dubai. Yous are all fucking stuck in your houses. But then he came back two days ago and get immediately oh, arrested. They get lifted at the airport. Lifted. And oh, I think right, like, okay. I think they lifted him for a combination of the revenge porn, like sexual assault and breaking the COVID rules, I think, because right. he was just swanning back in. Um, and I think that's like a real positive thing for celebrities to see cunts like that because that's also setting a very dangerous thing up to be thinking that they can share pictures or videos or whoever they want like, without their consent. But also just for them to get a wee dose of reality that you can't just go and fuck off to Dubai during a global pandemic and try and, you know, get your top your suntan up while everybody else, like you're saying, is dealing with like proper mental health issues. And I think also just to point out that these are the cunts that are rolling out the fucking suicide statistics to try and uh, you know, like, try and justify them just living a normal life or well what about the suicides suicides are up year on year they've been up year on year since the last fucking 20 years you cunt like do you know what to do Aye. go to Dubai wall them fucking in and just leave them there do you know what I mean like <laughs> we don't fucking need them um, but they, I think yeah I think that the Celtic thing actually showed that there's consequences to everything, no matter what you do. Like, it, can't it might, Dubai anymore. <laughs> well, no, but not, not just that. Like, as much as the league season was done and dusted, way I think before, um, the nails were yeah. put in the coffin the last week, and that's been a direct consequence of the arrogance of the 
the hierarchy, the, the upper hierarchy in Celtic, yeah. they think that they can continue to organise training when we see them sitting beside fucking Hingley drinking. Um, that, that that arrogance has led to basically like, this, the club's just completely imploded. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean what, is, what, is, what are the board of Celtic <laughs> FC and the Houses of Westminster having in common? Like Tory Lords, you know what I mean? Like, it's no mm. a coincidence that, you know, some of the people that are on our board are of that ideology. How that's ever been allowed to happen, you know, we all know the answer. We look at shareholders and stuff like that. But the same hubris and arrogance that is seen at a governmental level has been reflected in the organisation that, you know, managed mm-hmm. Celtic's welfare. You know what I mean? Like, um, I it was within the rules. The rules changed on the 23rd. They still had permission Every fucking team in the world cancelled trips. I mean, the entire German Bundesliga, like, en masse, cancelled trips outside the country. Like, these were really big public points that were made by leagues all across the world. So, like, again, read the room. You know what I mean? Like, they failed to mm-hmm. do that. They failed to do it at a time where the team was shocking, where discontent amongst the support is as high as it's ever been in the last 10 to 15 years. We've now dropped four points in the subsequent two games. I mean, like it couldn't. I mean, it's it's been catastrophic on every single level. Like there, mm-hmm. there is no salvaging feature to it whatsoever. And like that type of decision making in a company, let's just treat it as the company that they treat it as. Like performance management wise, like he doesn't need to roll at every single level. The goal. I completely agree, mate. All the levels, you know what I mean? Completely right. agree. I mean, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about like fans' trusts and like taking back control of the club, but um, that disconnect that we were talking about earlier for the, the political class or whatever, it, yeah. you're bang on, mate. You're fucking so bang on with that, that that it's the exact same bullshit that makes Celtic think that they can take their squad. Took a guy that didn't even need to go, some crutches. Aye. Why is he going to a training camp? That guy... Four no. months. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> And do you know what? Like, uh, I've let go. Uh, obviously, like, over the course of the full season, but but they let go any hope of ten in a row. But yep. genuinely, like, the club don't deserve it, mate. They they no. do not deserve it. Like, I mean, Rangers have been spectacular. They've been solid. They've been organised. They've been disciplined, exactly as they have been in recent years. And our implosion has allowed that to be, you know, enough. Um, but I, it's it's you know. So we've done this to ourselves. Like, you know, they have beat us when the opportunity to beat us come run, but the bigger picture is is that we just fucking I don't know, pressure, COVID, you know, ten years worth of work coming to a head. No idea. But like we absolutely we've apart at the seams everywhere. I think for a Celtic fans perspective, and I don't know if I actually said this when we were talking about this the last time, but when Rangers nine uh, ten, sorry, get stopped. I wish it fucking the nine had get stopped, but I remember that fucking night when they won that, but when their 10 gets stopped, they were at a crossroads um, and Celtic are, a, are at that crossroads right now and we've got a couple of choices, but if the choice is what they did, which was David Murray doubled down on what he'd been doing by sort of, I mean, that's when the actual shady shit started to go, yeah. like the BBTs and stuff, even though I think that a couple of them had been there before. Um, I, I I, I can't say anything other than like I, I'm I might need to like actually like not be a supporter of a Celtic football club if something changes because yeah. it's 
the, the the whole reason that I'm such an avid and passionate Celtic supporter is like a whole package. It's not just that I was raised that was my dad's club, that I was raised a Catholic and the sort of the the you know like the the normal shit like re, re, born and raised in East End of Glasgow could see Celtic Park from my fucking I could hear you never walk alone on match days from my front door. It was my dad's club. But the yep. thing that's kept me really as I've became sort of an adult and politically aware is, is that we're the light in sort of Scottish football. There's no other ideology. Ideolo- <laughs> There's no other club that's run with an ideology of charity, working classness, like really in the roots that's of the team. Yeah, and the, the work that the Green Brigade day for food banks and stats became like a real big thing has been in the Celtic FC Foundation brings nothing but pride to me to support that I mean, club. Inspirational across the entire support. I would probably want to just take a wee minute as well as saying well done to the guys at the Green Brigade for recent fundraising like and obviously their voice in terms of like the supporters' discontent. Mm-hmm. Um, a wee nod to one of the other Celtic pods. Uh, Celtic State of Mind actually raised like fucking 25 grand over 20, over Christmas and New Year. They did like, see the Scottish Cup weekend. Uh-huh. They did like, quadruple treble weekend of like programming all across the entire day with like fundraising and raised twenty five thousand pounds for charity. Like that's incredible. Like, so like that's amazing. We don't, we don't spend a lot of time talking about football and podcasts and or you know other guys out there like, but fucking well played to them on that front, man. Like uh-huh. huge credit to like the ethos of the club that you and I absolutely, you know absolutely. I, mean? I think the question that I've got really is that. Do you think a modern football club can live up to that ethos? Um, or do you think that it needs to be a business orientated? No, I'm going to caveat because I was just about to say to compete at the highest level. Celtic don't compete at the highest level anymore, but uh-huh. but you know what I mean? Like, do you think uh, that. We've made the Champions League two at the last you, seven, eight years. I mean, yeah. we're not a, a top tier club anymore, but, but do you think the money that, that's moved about elsewhere makes that almost impossible? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but do you think like a modern football team can live up to that sort of ethos that we're talking about that people take pride in Celtic having? I think we can. I think for it to be to the extent we want it to be, like things need to change. Like mm-hmm. um, we are at, at a natural crossroads. Like we would have preferred to have been there six months from now, but we're no. And I think the reality is that change needs to start moving now. Yeah. Um, the people that have been there, guys like Law, have been there what fifteen years, maybe more. Like you know, old thinking has crippled us, and this is a time for new thinking, like, how has the game modernised, where has it changed, how are we, I mean, look, look, facilities and sort of youth development-wise, look at the last two games for Celtic, where a predominant, or, you know, an increase in the young guys has been necessary as a result of this COVID fiasco that we, you know, shot ourselves in the foot with, but I don't think any of these boys look up to it long-term, like, I know boys like Johnson and Henderson have got, you know, a bit of promise about them. But I was in the Celtic group chat with my mates going, when was the last time, like, the academy or the development squad produced a player that held down regular first-team football? And the answer was Callum McGregor. Callum McGregor. For the amount of money and time and resources we invest at that level, for us not to be producing any meaningful young talent whatsoever. I mean, guys like Ewan Henderson, who look promising have went away and found a level in Serie B, which is no disrespect, you know what I mean? Like It's just that, you know, we're trying to think about, well, how do we produce Champions League players? You know what I mean? Like, so The reality is, is that we'll know. Ah, right. Exactly. So that whole side of things, for the money, like we're not getting value for money. We're bringing in 
17, 18 year olds for Arsenal, like Oko Flex, like Arthur Abbey and these types of boys, and then we're never seeing them again. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. so I everything needs to be rethought from start to bottom. Like the, uh, yeah. the plan for the last ten years has fell at the last hurdle and now we need a new plan. Aye, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Um have you got anything else that you wanted to cover? Are you having a wee look at your notes or what? Or um I think the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about was is that I finally watched and finished Mandalorian. All oh, right, cool. And mate, I fucking cried my eyes out of that last episode. Aye, I, I mean, we were talking about it. I didn't want to like pure get away, but I knew actual that, tears, actual aye. fucking tears streaming at my face was just like, see when, I mean, I suppose we could. <laughs> We could put like a, a, a sort of warning, but fucking people should have watched it. But if they've not watched it, then you fucked them. Alec Steven... Mark Hamill was tweeting about it the day after the episode. All oh, right, okay, cool. Right, I, so, he's, yeah. he's got a bigger reach than we have. <laughs> I, literally, I literally, like, I, I was in the living room watching it, and Stace was like chilling out in bed with the iPad. And as the scene finished, I got up and like ran into the bedroom and was like, Stace, like, fucking Luke Skywalker was there. And she's like, Matt, you're nearly fucking 40. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't care. I'm nearly 40, mate. Honestly, like, I, see, there. when I seen, I didn't know that uh, what comes into it. I genuinely didn't know. I had to sort of kept uh, away from it. That's fine. When the, the X Wing came in, and I was like, uh, whatever, oh, the, the, the Republic are going to come, they're going to help me. And then the cloak came off. I just turned around to Sean and I was like, that's Luke. And she was like, no way. I was like, I'm fucking telling it's, it. It's a Jedi in an X Wing. It needs to be Luke. It's, see if it's no Luke. I'm going to fucking turn my TV. Pure. That's when the I green said. lightsaber came out, I was uh, like, "This is Luke. This is it." But genuinely, man, oh, I, so many emotions. It was like pure. What the uh, fuck? Um, I but I really well. First season was a bit slow for me, but I think the overall, when you watch the two of them together, it is like a genuine. If you're into your Star Wars, it's the business. You know, what well, I mean? like, John Favreau needs to write and direct the next movies. Uh, the Philion character as well, he's been involved in Rebels and Clone Wars and all that. Right. So there's a few there that are like, I quite like that the new slate of Star Wars stuff is actually really like female centric. There's a lot of like female writers and female directors that are coming in for the next slate of stuff, including like Ashoka eh, or Ahsoka Tan or whatever it is, played by uh-huh. Dawson and stuff. Like yeah. that, you know? So I think you're going to see that, the, you know, the Ray thing become. You know, there's going to be a lot more sort of female-led projects and stories, which I think is going to be quite interesting. Oh, well, I'm fucking here for all, mate. I'm here for all. After that, uh-huh. I mean, the 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 follow-up trilogy, like the last three of the nine, was so disappointing. I was kind of like, maybe I'm just getting too old for Star Wars and stuff. And then seeing Boba Fett and Mando together, I was like, I had a fucking quarter job. And then when Luke Skywalker <laughs> came in, it just went fucking full 12 o'clock, man. I was like, oh my fucking God. So I'm here uh-huh. for all. I'm buzzing for like whatever comes next. Um, so I mate, I just wanted to say, like, because you were saying a, f- a few weeks ago you should watch Mandalorian. It was just tears uh, were streaming. Fantastic, mate. Absolutely I've fantastic. Been there, um, I've been there when the lockdown got announced, and I know that I'd spent a lot of my time gaming. Um, I invested in like a big chunky hard drive to get more stuff onto my PlayStation because we had Call of Duty. I'm always deleting and having to download and delete and download stuff. And I was like, Do you know what? Let's prepare properly this time for like added time at home and like get it in. So I've got essentially, you know, like I went through like three games on my PlayStation, having like thirty. And I think I'm actually definitely going to explore that kind of like Twitch thing where 
I'm going to maybe go back through some of the more popular like games I've played already and like uh-huh. replay them with maybe just like audio or something like that. Because if I'm going to be replaying them anyway, it might be fun just to explore something like that down the line. So that's some just trying color ways that I can use it to like fill spare time, but no, just be like a pure slouch about it. <laughs> uh, aye, aye. Do something actually productive. Aye. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens, mate. Well, that was fantastic, mate. Another like, I think every two weeks pacing's actually been really good. What I did notice, um, which was funny, is is that even though the pace in their episodes has been doing by fifty percent, the listenership's only been doing by like twenty. But so that actually means like went up by multiple times. We're going up, like the actual view and listenership's actually creeping up as we because. Mm-hmm. It should have went down, but if we stayed the same, it would have went down by 50%. So the stats that I get is how many downloads over 30 days. So if we do four episodes over the 30 days, and then that's our benchmark and the stats, it's saying it's went down 20% as we've halved the productivity. So it's gone up and we've noticed the YouTube creeping up and stuff. So it's really good, which gives us the motivation to do these things. But genuinely just coming in and sitting and video calling me every two weeks is just so good for me mate like genuinely uh same here mate i mean i've uh, it's one of the ones where you know i'm super conscious of the, that you're trying to get this business after the after the ground and, and you know go there and help people so you know i know that the, there has probably been times where i've been like you know i'd have probably liked to have done one this week or whatever but that's christmas and new year out the way i'm quite happy to, you know i've got some good ideas we'll talk about um about things in that you know Cambridge Analytica, like QAnon type stuff. There's some really interesting people out there that I think we could get based on, you know, our back catalogue. Um, there's obviously loads of like Scottish artists that I've started following in terms of music. I think once music venues get moving again, you know, if you know musicians want to come and line up at the door, we'll have them. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely, mate. We'll, we'll get moving again. Like, so I'm quite excited about some of the guests that we can we can start to build on the new year. Um, what, a couple of um, authors that I'm, I really want to get in over the course of the next couple of months and stuff. No 